Hey, what up, everybody? Welcome to episode 28 of the Strength Through Vulnerability podcast. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Strength Through Vulnerability podcast. I'm so excited and grateful that you're tuning in this week because we have an amazing episode in store for you. This week, I had the privilege and the honor of interviewing Kathy Hurst. Kathy Hurst is the vice president of the Hayden Hurst Family Foundation and mom of Hayden Hurst. And for those of you out there who don't know who Hayden Hurst is, he's an NFL tight end for the Atlanta Falcons. He was balling out with Lamar Jackson last year on the Baltimore Ravens. He's the real deal, and he's about to have a breakout year. But what's also amazing about him is he uses his story about attempting suicide to help instill hope and light in the lives of adolescents. So in this episode, you're going to hear more about his story. You're going to hear about what the Hayden Hurst Family Foundation is doing to help adolescents, as well as what you, whether you're a coach, a parent, a teacher, whatever, can do to help adolescents as well, and a whole lot more. This episode is chock full of amazing nuggets of wisdom from Kathy. We even talk about Hayden's collegiate and professional career. So if you're anything like me, we're talking mental health and professional slash collegiate football in this episode. This is a dream come true. I had a blast recording this episode, and you're going to have a blast listening to it. I'm excited for you. So let's get into it. Here comes the interview with Kathy Hurst. Hey, what up, everybody? Welcome to the Strength Through Vulnerability podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Dahlborg, and today I am with the VP of the Hayden Hurst Foundation, Kathy Hurst. Kathy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Tommy, thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate the opportunity to tell you a little bit more about what Hayden and I are doing with his foundation. My pleasure. It's going to be such a great conversation and everything that we've already talked about has gotten me so amped up for this talk right now. So I'm looking forward to it. I would love if you could start with talking a little bit about what the Hayden Hurst Foundation is and how it got started. Absolutely. So when Hayden got drafted by the Baltimore Ravens in 2018, Um, I was in sales and um, had worked for 38 years. And he said, Mom, I want to start a foundation for suicide prevention and mental health. And I want you to run it. And um, I told Hayden, I said, you know me and my personality. I'm not going to do something halfway. It's going to be all or nothing. And but you're the face to the foundation. So I'm going to have to ask you to to be there and help out. And so he was all in and um, we decided to focus on adolescence um, and what our goal is that we try to have fundraisers and raise money for mental health facilities because I am a mom and a sales rep. I am not a mental health specialist, but I've learned so much by being in this foundation world and learning more and more about our brains and mental health. So it's very exciting. And so we've done some um, fundraising events in Baltimore where Hayden was drafted in Jacksonville, Florida, which is home. And then we're also working on some opportunities in Columbia, South Carolina, where Hayden went to college. So, but now of course, we're also going to be adding to our 
uh, towns and cities is Atlanta um, because Hayden obviously got traded to the Falcons and we're extremely excited about that opportunity and uh, seeing what we can do to help the young people in the Atlanta market. So great. Your footprint's already so big and you guys just continue to grow. It's amazing and just make an impact. It's really cool. Well, it's just, you know, Hayden understands that he being an NFL player, that he has visibility and people see what work he's doing. And so it's so important to him that he not only plays well on the field, but he works hard off the field and wants to give back um, because we are so fortunate that he is in this NFL world and, uh, and really he wants to give back to others and show others what he went through and look what he's been able to overcome and accomplish. And so he wants the same for these young people. I love that. That's so cool. I was just about to ask you what drove the you guys to have the foundation focus on adolescence. Um, and I think you just kind of spoke to it is that Hayden wants to use his story to inspire show these kids that we all go through difficult things, but we can also do amazing things through those difficult things. Absolutely. So. And I think what it is, is why he wanted to focus on adolescence is there's been too many people that have mental health issues and they choose suicide. And we want to enable these young people with the tools that they can work through their situation, whether it's going to a therapist, whether it's doing deep breathing, whatever helps them cope with their situation. We want them to be able to understand that tomorrow can be a better day and it's okay not to be okay. We all have our issues. I mean, yesterday I woke up and I can't explain why, but I just kind of felt blue and I couldn't get out of it, but I just kept saying, okay, just take one task at a time. And guess what? I woke up this morning and today's a better day. So that's what it's all about is just being able to explain to them and understand there are ways to work through it. And that's why we were so fortunate to um, find Tom McSheehy and his In Focus um, social and emotional training books. And it's for elementary school kids. Because one of the things I found out as we were working with mental health facilities is kids as young as two and three are now seeing therapists. And it's like, oh my gosh, they just came into this world. How can they already have these sets of problems? So with the emotional and social training that Tom does, it talks about the brain and it even tells a kindergartner there's the, the dog part of your brain and the owl part of your brain and the lizard part. So it doesn't, you know, not saying the brain stem and, you know, the, this frontal cortex and all the different pieces of it. He brings it down to their level because Tom was a teacher for 35 years and also a social worker. So it's, it's very exciting to also bring this into our foundation is to still do what we've talked about is set up the starting point where we can help these kids, especially with the pandemic. It's been such a crazy year and these kids don't understand why am I not in school with my friends? Why can I not go back to school next month? So we're hoping that um, we've got a pilot program we're working on at a school in Baltimore. Um, we're also working on one in Columbia, South Carolina because we were fortunate enough to get a grant from Hootie and the Blowfish 
for the next three years. And unbelievable, um, we also got another private donation from the CEO of um, a pharmaceutical company in Colombia, where she's matching those funds. So now we have $20,000 to spend this year on teaching and educating teachers on this program so that they, they have less discipline issues in the classroom and the kids understand, hey, we're gonna focus on, this is the first start of our day is to talk about what our chapter is or what our lesson is for social and emotional training. And they use it throughout the day, take it home, help educate their parents, and the, uh, Tom's got a parent version of the training coming out August 3rd and an online version. So it's just amazing how all the pieces of the puzzle are starting to come together. And we just feel like we're really able to touch lives in a very good way. That's amazing. You guys are doing so much good. And um, it's really inspiring too. And just really neat to me because some of the things you mentioned that these kids are learning through the in-focus books and that whole training are a lot of the things that I just started implementing in my life over the last couple of years. You mentioned a little bit about deep breathing um, and a couple other things that I'm like, wow, yeah, literally just started doing that. And if I knew, if I was trained when I was in third grade, whatever, that would be huge. Absolutely. And um, actually on the Today Show, Tom was, was, there was a segment on Tom's books, plus it was a school in Colorado. And what they did is they added a watch heart monitor. So when the kids came into the school, they would go check out their heart, heart monitor watch. And this little adorable fourth grade girl is on the segment and she says, well, my friend really upset me. And so I noticed that my heart rate was going up. So I stopped and I started doing my deep belly breathing. And I was just, I mean, I was like you, I was going, oh my gosh, if I had had those to that training when I was in the fourth grade, so I could have dealt with all the scenarios and the trauma and the, and the situations we face on a daily basis, we would not be having all this violence um, because there's statistics showing that when social and emotional training is implemented, that these kids start recognizing, hey, I'm getting a little bit too angry and I'm gonna just, I'm gonna step back and I'm gonna collect myself so I don't take it further. Mm -hmm. So that's what's exciting for us too. I love that, so good. And one thing you mentioned earlier too is um, with the coronavirus, with the pandemic and everything, and these kids, again, don't have much insight into what's going on. I think one fear for me is that a lot of these kids who belong in abusive homes um, are stuck in there and they can't get to school, which might be their one safe place. Absolutely. And so the fact that you guys are getting into the schools now and hopefully this virus, we start getting more of a handle on it so the kids can get back in there. I can only imagine and hope and pray that all those skills that they'll be learning through this program is going to help translate into how to deal with those difficult things at home. But like just they go through so much that in a sense, it's not surprising that they're struggling with their mental health at such a young age. Right. Absolutely. And, and your fear is exactly what my fear is that, that these poor kids, they, their escape was going to school and now they're, they're stuck at home in the situation. So if we can implement this training for them where maybe they go home and they say, 
dad, I want you, I want to talk to you about the lesson we learned today in our social and emotional training. And then hopefully that child can also say, and I understand there's a parent version available, go online and see what you can, and maybe they can, maybe they can make a change even in their parents' life where they recognize the situation and step back and say, wow, I really, I'm hurting this child. I'm damaging how they grow and, and the person that they're going to become. Because, you know, as parents, we all, there, yes, I know there's books out there on how to be a parent, but no one ever teaches you the complete one-on-one. And, and I mean, I know with Hayden, I never had any brothers growing up. So when he came along, he was constant motion. He never <laughs> sat down. His older sister, you know, she would sit there and play with her dolls and entertain herself. Hayden was always out the front door. Where'd he go? And, you know, as much as I watched him, I, I, he was just at a, he was just always in constant motion. Mm -hmm. So it was totally different for me. And uh, no one gave me the one-on-one book on how do I handle this child that is super active. And, uh, you know, and it's trial and error. So we all make mistakes. And I think one thing I've learned as an older adult is being able to admit to children, hey, I'm not perfect. I know that's one thing that Tom talks about when he does the training for the teachers is the teachers um, have fears about social and emotional training because they may have their own vulnerabilities and their own issues. So for example, let's say the lesson today is on sadness and the teacher may not be very good at sadness. So all she has to do or he has to do is be vulnerable with the kids and say, you know what, I recognize that today's lesson is tough for me and I really don't do well with sadness. So I want you guys to know that up front, but I'm going to teach the lesson, but just understand I may not be 100% into it. And what do you think those kids are going to do? Their reaction is going to be like, wow, I, you know, she's human. I can relate with her. She's not perfect. And that's what makes all the difference is just letting these kids understand how you're feeling and then they can express their feelings. You've said so much good stuff. And I <laughs> love the way that you just said that part too, because the main reason why this podcast is called the strength through vulnerability podcast is because I truly believe in how powerful it is to just share those things that you struggle with, because that's going to allow other people exactly what you just said to realize you're human and to also accept the fact that it's totally okay for to reference what you said earlier to not be okay. Exactly. I've yeah. never go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, and that's why, I mean, when you think about Hayden's story and how when he first got drafted, he shared his depression and anxiety. And this summer, he shared more of his story where he actually tried to take his life. And I think when young people can see that that's Hayden being vulnerable, I mean, he's taking a major chance. He's with a new team you know, do the Falcons feel like, oh my gosh, he, if he has these issues off the field, is he going to bring them on the field? No, he's a totally different beast when he gets on the field. And he's gotten so much stronger off the field because of that vulnerability and being able to talk about it. I mean, he shares more with me now than he did before because he's, he's, and he admits this, he's not one, I'm the talker in the family. He's more of the one that holds everything in. And, you know, through this pandemic, not 
not having a team right now, not working out on his own, you know, one day he came to me and he goes, I just feel off today. And I go, Hey, that's okay. I said, my gosh, you're in a pandemic. You're changing teams. You're working your butt off in the weight room, but nobody gets to really see it or recognize it. So, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. When you show up next week, they're going to be like, Oh my gosh, this guy is ready and we're ready to play football. So, so that's why he wants these young people to realize that he too struggles, but you can work through it and you just take it a day at a time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's amazing that he's got a mom who he can go to and talk about how he's feeling. I know I'm blessed to have an amazing mom too. And there's really nothing like just sharing what's on my heart and have, and her showing empathy towards me. When I see her, she's out in Michigan. I'm in Maine now, so we're a little further away. But when I see her getting that mama bear hug, like that goes such a long way. And what I love about the relationship too is as I've learned more about myself and my mental health struggles, I've been able to, through sharing with her, kind of teach her more about mental health, but also about how I'm wired, how I am. And it sounds like Hayden's been able to do the same thing with you, which is incredible. And you've mm -hmm. talked a little bit earlier about how these programs are not only just focusing on the children and teaching them how to handle their emotions, but it's also reaching out to the parents. And I think that's so important. Um, my dad does a lot of work um, with bullying and he wrote a book called The Big Kid in Basketball. And in the back, there's a checklist of 10 things that parents can do to help their children with bullying, whether it's coming from a peer, a parent, or yeah, a parent, I guess, a teacher, a coach, whatever. Um, and I think that that education is so important. So I'm so glad that you guys are supporting that as well. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and don't forget the teachers because mm -hmm. the teachers are also being more open and showing their vulnerability. And I know we've been working with some of the professors at University of South Carolina, because of course we want to be able to collect the data to see the improvement from the beginning of the school year to the end. And as a matter of fact, we have a call with them tomorrow. And you know, the counselors in the schools are overwhelmed because they, there's not enough time. And some schools only have a counselor coming in certain days of the week. So that's why it's so critical to get this into the classroom so the teacher can teach the, the social and emotional well-being. Plus, it, it carries on to other subjects. So let's say, for example, math is not my best subject. And so when we get to that math segment and we just talked about being nervous or being, being vulnerable, and I get to math and I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this because I know I'm not good at it. And Johnny next to me is really good. But the teacher could recognize that and be able to say, you know, go to those kids and say, remember what we learned and we talked about earlier today. You're not going to be perfect in everything and just do your best. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. And I guarantee you my shoulders are going to go back and my confidence is going to come up and I'm going to be like, you know what? I am going to try this harder. And then the behavior is better because the students don't misbehave because they have an opportunity to fail and to not be perfect in that segment of the math class. Mm -hmm. So that's, it's so important. And, and then also with Tom's 
um, doing the online because, you know, we don't know what schools are going to be like. So are we going to be teaching this program online or in the classroom? And then the parent version being able to have it incorporated at home just as well in, in the day. It's incredible. I'm glad that Tom is being, um, he's working now for whatever the situation is going to be like in the fall, because like you said, we don't know how it's going to be, but there's just so much good there. And again, it's, that's another thing that you brought up that these kids are able to work on that I'm starting to work on now is I'm very similar as that example you gave where like, I want to be good at everything I do. Cause there's definitely that feeling of insecurity when somebody next to you is better than you at this or whatever it is. Right. Um, and so I've had to recently start the practice of reminding myself of like, Hey, it's okay to not be great at every single thing you do. And I think that you saying these students, these kids that will have the opportunity to fail and to know that failing is okay is so important because I think, and this is no judgment towards the system I was raised in, but I think that failure was never really looked at as a good thing when I was younger. It was always like, you've got to pass, you got to get A's no matter what. And if you don't, it's not good. Um, but sometimes getting that F is like the best thing that can happen to you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and I remember having a job interview and they asked me, what do you think you lack? And you know, what, what's a negative about you? And I, I remember saying that I always try to be perfect. And I think that's what's so important is no one is perfect. We all make mistakes. And I can remember getting um, evaluations from my manager and there would be 10 great things that I had done really well. And there was one needs improvement, needs to do this differently. And I, I always focused on, darn it, I should have done that better. And I, why didn't I... I'm not going to be perfect. And I our my daughter is 30 years old and she's a veterinarian and she is so always, you know, because she's got that scientific mind and she wants to understand how everything works and, and, and make it right. And I said, please learn this from my mistakes that when you get a review and a manager tells you, Kylie, you did these things, these five things. Great. You need to work on this one. Don't focus on that. Think about all the great things you did and said, yeah, I'll work on that too. I'll make, I'll, I'll try to spend some time making that better because that's a problem. You're absolutely right. Our society makes it sound like everybody's perfect. These athletes are perfect. These actors are perfect. You know, no one is perfect. We all have make mistakes and don't do everything 100% correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And I actually caught myself maybe like two weeks ago, I was having a moment where I was feeling pretty insecure. And I think a lot of times, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. My default can be to focus on the negative things. It can be to focus on what I'm lacking, that one thing that my boss said I'm not doing well. And I had to take a minute to journal out the things that I love about myself, the things that I'm good at. And it was crazy because it probably took me like maybe 10 minutes to write some stuff down that I truly like about myself. And it completely changed my mindset, completely changed my attitude. And so there's so much power in focusing on what you're great at. And honestly, I think that there's so much more potential if you focus on the things that you're great at, as opposed to trying to make the one thing that maybe you're not super good at 
up to this level of being good. I think if we focus on like if Hayden, for example, he's a tight end for people who are listening that don't know if he was like, shoot, I'm not really good at kicking a football. I should really focus on kicking a football. That's a complete waste of time for him because he doesn't need to use that skill. And so often I think I find myself in a position where I'm like, Ooh, this person's better at this than me. I never do that, but I want to be good at it too. You know? Right. No, it's so true because when he was at university of South Carolina, um, the punt returner kept dropping the ball. Mm -hmm. So I'm at a game and all of a sudden Hayden goes in and he's back there for the punt return. Mm -hmm. Well, the first time he did it, the ball landed behind him and went in the end zone, which was fine. That was perfect. Mm -hmm. But then the next time he didn't catch the ball and the the defender came and got the ball on like the five yard line. Well, that was one of the last times Hayden was the punt returner because Mm -hmm. that just wasn't his forte. That wasn't his best, you know, gift that he had. Mm-hmm. So they tried him and it didn't work, but you know, he walked off and was like, okay, we tried. Mm-hmm. And you know, and that's, it's again, that's okay. He does really well at being a tight end. So mm-hmm. we'll, we think we'll keep him there. <laughs> I love that. I love yeah. that. And on that note, I'm super excited to see how he does with the Falcons. I'm sure he's going to be great and he's going to have his own spot there, you know, because yes. I think in a phone call that you and I had, the Ravens had, three pretty decent tight ends all going at once and that's hard to stand out hard to get your reps and everything so definitely excited for him yes i mean we we had a wonderful experience with the ravens mark andrews and nick boyles the other two mm-hmm. tight ends are are hayden's very close friends and they will remain that way but you know the opportunity that he has with the falcons and and it's funny because the falcons have told hayden you know we wanted you in 2018 and they were the next pick after the Ravens. Oh so it was, it was very interesting because they've been so excited to actually get Hayden now. And, um, you know, and our daughter lives in Atlanta. It's closer to Jacksonville. Um, we're, I'm trying to connect with um, Arthur Blank is the owner of the Falcons and his daughter-in-law. She and I are scheduled to try to get together late next week because they have a foundation and they really don't have a mental health focus yet, and they mm-hmm. really want to change that and do that. So I'm super excited about that because, you know, that could totally open up a whole new world for us. They're a wonderful, very philanthropic family, and, um, and we just know that there's so much need out there in the world, and, and this could give us a good, a good opportunity to change some things. Absolutely. That's so good. And I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, this is like a dream come true. I'm recording a podcast talking about football and mental health. This is like everything that I love. This is amazing. (laughs) So thank you. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. (laughs) So before I let you go, I would love to, I know that earlier you said that you're not a mental health professional, you're not a counselor, but as a parent, what are things that parents or even teachers, people who are adults around adolescents, what are things they can do to help these kids deal with these mental health struggles, emotions, when they don't have the resources of in focus from Tom? You know, it's so important to really watch your child's behavior. Um, You know, are they, if they're a very like energetic uh, kid and now they're staying in their room more, or they're not talking to you as much, or they don't care about their sports or whatever. 
be cognizant of that because something's going on with them. You know, if, if they're not talking to their friends as much um, and communicating, I mean, it's, it's so important. And in my opinion, it's just to, to watch. Now I say that, and Hayden didn't come to my husband and I with his struggles. He went to a pitching coach. So I also would, would tell the kids, find somebody you're comfortable with and say, you know what, I'm just feeling off today. If it's a friend or whatever, and have that friend be able to walk with that student to a counselor or to a coach or a teacher or whatever, just so they don't keep suffering. Because what happens is they suffer in silence and then they just want the pain to go away. And unfortunately, some of these kids select suicide and it's just, I shouldn't say select, they die by suicide. And we're trying to prevent that. We're trying to get people to be more open and vulnerable about their feelings and not be embarrassed that they're not perfect and they're having an off day. And so that's why it's just, it's so important to, to keep your eye on. And, and I know it's hard because the pandemic, all these parents are together with their kids, but it's even more important to be able to say, how are you really feeling today? You seem off to me. Cause that's what I said to Hayden. I said, what's, what's going on today? You know, that one day when he was off and he goes, and you could tell he was hesitating. He didn't want to share it with me. And then he finally said, you know, I'm feeling off today. And that's when I had the opportunity to say, that's okay. That's all right. And uh, I hope that helps. I mean, you know, um, we do work with a lot of great um, mental health facilities. And on our website, we actually have um, an organization called Amethyst Health um, that we've been working with. And can't wait to get to Atlanta again because their whole mental health part of their facilities are in Atlanta, whereas in Baltimore, it was more of alcohol and drug abuse. Mm -hmm. Not that there's, there's anything wrong with that, but we're excited about being able to connect there. And Acadia Health has reached out to us and they want the connection. So we're trying on our social media. I have a wonderful young lady, Yelena, that's helping me with coming up to the 21st century with <laughs> social media, but um, we're going to try to have a therapy Tuesday, therapy tip Tuesday. And uh, so that we provide just one, one calming session, you know, one, one saying that might help somebody through that day. And then of course we have Garnet Thor Thursday, which Hayden was nicknamed at South Carolina. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we try to have something on Thursday that talks about, his feelings and what's going on with the Falcons or the pandemic or whatever. So um, that's our way of trying to reach out. Um, you know, on our website, we have some great information and we have some great resources. So if you, if people will go out to the Hayden Hurst family foundation, hear more about his story and our works and what we're doing. And um, you know, we just wish everybody the best. So amazing, amazing advice. And again, just the work you all are doing is incredible. And I'm excited to see the stuff that you guys come up with. It's going to be great. Um, Thank you ahead. so much for the time today. I really appreciate you having me on and giving me the opportunity to talk more about what, the work we're doing. My pleasure. So grateful for you. And lastly, before I let you go, can you just let the listeners know where they can find more information about the Hayden Hurst Foundation? For, about you, is there a way that we can support the Hayden Hurst Foundation from where we're at? Oh, absolutely. We're very fortunate, and I just got received a donation from Seattle, Washington, 
And, you know, they, the young man obviously had heard Hayden's story and it made him feel po positive and passionate about giving. And so, you know, we, we take these funds and like I said, we are using them to provide uh, mental health facilities, uh, education for kids and, and programs for kids, and then also the social and emotional training. I would love to help Tom with my sales background, take this across the nation and have it in every state available. Um, it's it's gonna, we're taking baby steps right now, but mm -hmm. you know, so go out to our website, the Hayden Hurst Family Foundation, and there's Hayden's story. Um, there's an email address, they can reach out to me and I'm um, gonna be glad to help them in any way I can with um, contacts or, or, or help. And um, you know, we really appreciate any, any donations they can feel, feel comfortable giving us. It's amazing. Thank you again, Kathy. This has been so much fun. I'm so grateful. Well, thank you, Tommy. I appreciate the time. Of course. You rock. <laughs> thank you. You do too. Take care. Thank you. You as well. Bye-bye. Thank you all so much for listening. You tuning in means the world to me, and I hope you really enjoyed this episode. And go and Look at what the Hayden Hurst Family Foundation is doing and think about what we can do to help adolescents and all of those around us to handle our mental health challenges, our emotions, and everything in between better. And let's build each other up. If you found this episode to be entertaining, interesting, helpful, it would mean the world if you shared it with some of your friends, some people that you know. And if you feel led to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to this podcast, that would also mean the world to me. Whether it's a five-star review, which would be great, or a one-star review with some helpful criticism, I'm here for it, and I appreciate all of it. Thank you for being you. Thank you again for tuning in, and I hope you're looking forward to next week, because the Strength Through Vulnerability podcast will be back on Saturday.